Thank you. As you're seated, take your Bible and go to John's Gospel, chapter 17. I'll begin reading in verse 6. Read through verse 19, the message that I've entitled this morning, How to Pray for Teenagers. How to Pray for Teenagers. Jesus, in chapter 17, prays that great prayer, that high priestly prayer. He's praying for his followers. And out of that, I draw five principles of how we should pray for teenagers. Here are the words Jesus prayed, portions of it, in John 17, beginning in verse 6. He prays, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. And they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me for they are yours. And all things that are mine and yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Church, understand me this morning when I tell you that a local church, not the church, but a local church is just one generation away from death. Any local church does not raise up the next generation can easily die. So there's some things we need to be praying over these teenagers, over the next generation, if you will, middle school, high school, college age, on up into their 20s. We call generations everything today, great generation, boomer, buster, millennial, X, Y, Z, D, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. Every generation, they put a name on it somehow. Well... There are characteristics of their generations, and they are somewhat different. 
But graduation is a time to commence. During COVID, we buried my mother-in-law, Mary. She spoke many things into my life. Some I even believed. Some I obeyed. I can remember sitting at dinner one night hearing her tell the story of her high school graduation. She said, we gathered together the songs, the speeches, but there were empty chairs because then, she said, many of the boys left early and did not graduate, they signed up to go to war. And she said, I knew the names of some who came back and made teachers and coaches and doctors and lawyers. And she said, I knew the names of others that never returned. That is Memorial Day. That is high school graduation. That is commencing something that really is life-altering. Some of these students will do things that will help change our region and nation, maybe the world, certainly their own lives and families. But they start, and we should pray for them. How do we pray? Well, Jesus gives us, I just want to mind quickly. If I say quickly, can you say amen? I often lie while preaching. Let me give you these five principles as quickly as the Spirit of God will allow me to do it. How we pray for teenagers. Let's look in the text. Jesus prayed this way and we should as well. Number one, Lord, give them assurance of salvation. In verse 2, twice in verse 6, again in verse 9, and again in verse 24, Jesus says these, this thing five times. Those whom you have given to me, those you've given me, those whom you've given me, those whom you've given me. The Father made a gift of us to the Son for eternal life. And he says eternal life in verse 3. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It is my prayer that these students and all students that would come in this place that we would pray they would have the assurance of salvation. John 6 and verse 37 is a remarkable verse that brings these items together that I want you to see. Jesus said this, all that the Father gives me. There it is. He said that five times in the great prayer. The Father gives the disciples unto me. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. See three simple things there. Number one is sovereignty. Sovereignty, election, predestination. All that the Father gives me. Friend, you can't get saved if God doesn't call you. God knew you before you knew you. God knew you were going to be before your mother ever thought about you being. God knows. Thank the Lord he knows more than you. 
and bless God twice that he knows more than I know. Before the foundation of the world, you were in his mind. Jesus came and died for you. All that the Father gave me, that's sovereignty. You can't get saved unless God deals with your soul. Not all the Father gives me, come to me. You have sovereignty on one side, responsibility on the other. You, you must come to him. I spoke to a gentleman this morning, and we were talking, and I said, I'm praying for the day when you will come. I'm praying for the day that some of you will come. No, not just come to the church, but come to Christ. God has chosen you. He saved you. He's calling you, and you must respond. But then there's also security. For the one that the Father gave will come to him, and I will certainly not cast him out. Save forever. Hallelujah. Then I'm secure in Christ. I don't come today and hang out a while and lose my salvation. I can never be anybody else's son but Delton and Jean's. Why? Because they gave me life. When you come and you have eternal life put in you, you're always God's child. You don't lose that. If you run from it, he deals with you like a mama deals with a child. You don't want that. You need to pray that these students, as well as everyone else in this room, Lord, give them assurance of their salvation. So I just ask a simple question this morning. Do you know if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven? He said, well, preacher, I won't die. You never know. Quint Studer's riding down the road the other day and almost died. The senator for the Utah Jazz was riding a bicycle, got run over, and did die. Just this week. You never know. But do you know that you know you know? Here Jesus prays that they would have the assurance of salvation. You need to pray. Teenagers, oh my soul, don't graduate from school without knowing that you know Christ, that you're certain of heaven. Number two, Lord, give them assurance of salvation. Secondly, Lord, give them spiritual unity. Unity. Look in verse 11. He says, Lord, I am no longer in the world, yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. These students graduate into a divided world. They need a united church in this divided world. They need a church come together around Christ. Now, there are various generations, and we're different. We have varied styles, but we are one in substance. We need to stop arguing uh, about molehills and be willing to die on the mountains. The Lord, make us one. We got all kinds of styles and generations. John, what year did you graduate from Pace High School? What? 97. Hmm. Roger, what year did you graduate from high school? 64. 72. 64. 97. There's three generations there. They're all different. It's going to be so cool one of these days when this generation is in 2060. 
and they've moved from here to, to sit over here. <laughs> and then they have pictures from 2020. The COVID class. They'll be making pictures different then. You won't even have a camera or a phone. It'll just be something you implant in your eye and you just open it wide up. And you take your tongue and you put it on your back molar and you click it and it's there. And, and then you got all of those pictures like they're in your phone. You can't find any of them now. Not then. You just think it like pictures. There they are. And you just look at the screen and go, and they just print them out right there. That's the way it works. You say, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Well, 30 years ago, if somebody told you you had a phone and you'd make pictures, you'd say, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Daniel said, there's no end to knowledge. And these students, especially the girls, I'm going to pick on the girls. The girls are going to look back like I look back at my pictures from 1972. Bell-bottom pants this wide. <laughs> Collars up to here. It took a thousand polyesters to make the suit that I graduated in. You had to kill a thousand polyesters to make that jacket. They're little animals about this long. And their children and children's children will look at these girls and say, Mother, what happened? Did you run through a barbed wire fence? Because they've got all those ripped jeans on. And they say, Would your mama not buy you anything else? No, that was the style then. And they'll say, really? Just like my grandkids look at me and say, really? It's not about style. It's about substance. The substance of the gospel. Of an empty tomb. Of an occupied throne. Of a soon coming king. Of a Christ in your heart. That's what makes the church. This generation deserves a united church around truth. So quit kicking ant heels and arguing about this and that. There are things to die for. There are things you can't give away. But it's too late in the game to argue over those that are certainly tertiary issues. Lord, Give them spiritual unity. Thirdly, Lord, give them your joy. Your joy. Look in verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. This generation's known too many suicides, too many overdoses. Too many divorces, too many arrests. There's no joy in that. Where does joy come from? Well, Jesus said, I'm praying that the Father's joy had been. Joy's not happiness, joy's deeper. John 3 29, John the Baptist tells us when you have Jesus, you have the joy because you have the bridegroom. Hallelujah. Amen. You have Jesus, you have joy. Prayer gives you joy. John 16, 24, he tells us, for now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask, you receive it. Why? Then your joy be made full. Amen. 
Till you become an intercessor, you never understand the fullness of joy. Evangelism brings joy. You see people saved in John 15. Jesus gives those three stories of 100 sheep, 99 found, one lost. He tells the 10 silver coins, nine in the pocket, one lost. He tells the two sons, one lost, then one found. And every time you find the lost sheep, the lost silver, the lost son, the Bible says there's joy in the presence of angels. The angels of God over one sinner who repents. Joy comes in your prayer life. Joy comes in your Jesus life. Joy comes in your evangelism life. But the key to joy is faith, according to Romans 15, verse 13. Look at it. But now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? In believing. Dear friend, it is by faith that you find joy. It's when you find the rock that you stand on, there is the joy. I'm praying their joy be full, that this class be full of joy. I've seen more stupid graduation video antics this year than ever before. Everybody's got a class clown. Every class has got one. I saw a kid the other day. They came by and one guy brought out a basketball goal and the other went up over to the principal and dunked on the principal. Do you know what Mr. Bearden at Pisgah High School had done if I'd have tried that kind of shenanigan? I'd still be trying to get out of high school. Everybody just trying to be fun. They're looking for joy, and they think joy is in silliness or even happiness, but joy is in the soul. And you only find joy by faith and deep believing, praying that their joy would be full. Number four, Lord, keep them from evil. He said in verse 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. And God knows there's enough evil, but the Lord is faithful. He'll strengthen you and he will protect you from the evil one, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica. And David said in the 121st Psalm, the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. Listen to me, graduates. Stay in Christ you'll stay out of trouble. Stay in Christ, you'll stay out of trouble. Lord, keep them from evil that they would be in Christ out of trouble. He said, Pastor, I bet you never got in trouble. Well, that's another testimony for another time. We all have difficulties. But when I found myself sold out to Christ, it kept me out of a lot of trouble. It kept me from the bar. It kept me from the weed. It kept me in Christ. It kept me out of a lot of trouble. Amen. I'm praying, oh God, that teenagers keep them from evil. I'm telling you, granddad and grandma, you need to pray this over your grandchildren. Mother and dad, you need to pray this over your grandkids. Keep them from evil. Then number five, he says, Lord, make them holy. Lord, make them holy. Verse 17 sanctify them in the truth because your word is truth. What's a teenager need? How do you need to pray over them that they might be holy? They need a daily word. Uh, You graduates, I want to encourage you to, I mean, you got a diploma. You're about to go off, many of you, to school elsewhere. Read the bestseller of all time. Sell more of this book than any other book. For history, you need to read this book. Genesis 
to the revelation, read this book. They, they need a daily word and read it every day. There are times when he turns like a diamond. He gives you a different word in a different time in your life. If you're going to walk in holiness, Lord, give them a daily word. They need a group to connect with, a group to connect with. They need a mentor to learn from, and they need a mission to participate in. Jesus said in verse 18, Lord, you sent me into the world. I've sent them into the world. Teenagers, God's sending you into the world. I'm praying. We're working to raise up 100 evangelists beginning Labor Day weekend. 97 days away. 100 evangelists. Two in every school in Santa Rosa County, Escambia County, every middle school, every high school, have two witnesses, every college campus in this area, and every school of study on every college campus have two. And then for those of you that are not of their age, that at every place you work, if you work at Baptist Hospital, West Florida Hospital, if you work at Sacred Heart Hospital, you'd be on mission. That's your mission field. We need two evangelists at least in every one of those hospitals. We, we need two evangelists. Every building at Navy Federal. We need them at Gulf Power. We, we need every business needs an event. We're praying. And on August 8th, we're going to have a training. And I'm praying God raise up wherever you're going. I've been going for five years now, praying for my own son. There's one or two of you going to different colleges. This is not a, a time to talk about different schools, but my son was a long snapper at Alabama, and then he went off to law school at Liberty. And I would go there to the football game. I'd walk every Saturday morning around that campus. Then I'd walk up 10 steps to the old law building where he would have studied had he been there. And I sit on the top of that law building looking out across the quad, and I pray for revival on that campus. I pray for every campus in the Southeastern Conference and pray, oh God, do it here. Lord, if you don't do it here, uh, do it in ACC. If you don't do it here, do it in the WAC. If you don't, I, I just pray to, oh God, somewhere raise up a godly young man or woman. And when I go there, there were two and three of these folks came through here going to Samford University where I graduated from. I told each one of them, I said, when I put that lanyard over their neck, I, I whispered in their ear, I said, whatever you do, whatever you're told, don't believe a word if you hear my name on that campus. <laughs> you can ask them if I said that. I did. There are a little bunch of liars up there, all right? I'm just telling you. I pray over that campus. Because when you get down to verse number 20, you can read it. Jesus says he's praying for them because of those that God will give him through the witness of these he's sending. He's not taking them out of the world, sending them into the world so that God will give the harvest. I don't know where God will send you. God sent me yesterday. My wife asked me if I would go down out on Nine Mile Road to the place and buy shrimp because we're having shrimp for lunch. I said, yes, ma'am, I'll go. I went, got shrimp, came back. I said, I don't think this is enough. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, it just doesn't look like it's enough. For these four big guys coming. And I said, they can eat this many, and I don't think that that's enough. She said, well, maybe you should go back and get more. I said, well, maybe I should. She said, good, here's my car keys. Fill it up with gas while you're gone. 
And so I said, yes, ma'am. And then I did. And I went and I filled her car up and I went. The Lord didn't send me back there for shrimp. He sent me back there for the business person who was in there. The first time I was in there, there's people everywhere. But I went the second time and no one was there except the business owner and the preacher. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm really looking the part. I got on my shorts. I work in the yard and my walking shoes and an old nasty gray shirt and a ball cap. And so I'm in. I said, I need another pound. And uh, I'm looking around thinking somebody's going to come interrupt us. I said, man, by the way, can I ask you a question? And so we had a gospel talk. She said, you know, I probably need to come over and check that place out. I said, yes, ma'am. And so I gave her a gospel track. It's got my picture on it in a coat and tie. And she's looking at that card and looking at me. And like, I said, trust me, it's, it's not Photoshop. That's really me. I guarantee you. We laughed. God's sending you. He's going to send you places I never go. He's going to send you. But out here in our missions house is a lady, her name is Libya. She's quarantining because she came in from India. Spent 20 years on a foreign mission field. Got married, then her husband died. She stayed as a single woman. They kicked her out this year. No visa. She's a dear, dear friend of my wife. Liz said, come home, come to Pensacola, we'll help you. She moved in. She got here Friday. She said when she went through New Delhi, first leg of the plane, she said they put her in a room for almost an hour. No chair to sit, just stand in the corner. Men came in and out, interrogating, intimidating. Why are you leaving? What are you doing? Why have you been here? Where are you going? I am not qualified to carry her purse. But God didn't send me to India. He sent me to the hypocritical city of Pensacola, Florida, where everybody's been vaccinated. I don't mean by COVID. I mean by church. You got to fight through religion to get to the gospel. You go to India, and there's nothing but Hindus and Muslims. She had one track I had another and I don't know where yours is but God's called you he wants to use you and I'm praying that God make you holy I I, I was reading this week I, I, I hate to read a prayer but I, I just want you to hear this this is the prayer this guy prayed. And I've been, it's been eating me up all week. He said, oh God, blow apart my pride and arrogance. With intense and destructive heat, burn out of my life the alloy of apathy, the sham of shoddiness, the rottenness of rudeness, the poison and pus of pretentiousness, the filth of foolishness, the acid of assertiveness, the heinousness of hypocrisy, the darkness of doubt, the moldiness of mediocrity, and the staleness of stubbornness. Oh, God, burn with 
fire and cauterize the impurity of my thoughts, the vested interest of my decisions, the selfishness of my actions, the carelessness of my tongue, the forbidden things of my eyes, and the wrong direction of my feet. Oh, God, I desperately need your fire in my life. And I said, dear God, dear God, Do that in me and fit me for the kingdom. God's been at work this week. I've been amazed. Wednesday night I stood outside just being an usher. Saying hello to people, yeah, da, 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 da. In a moment I saw a lady walking right toward me and she had her son with her. And she's walking right at me. And I know she's coming to me. I mean, she's eye to eye to me. And I'm thinking, I'm either in trouble, but the closer she got, I knew I wasn't in trouble. She walked right up to me. And she said, I'm a graduate of the seminary, went to Brazil, served there for many years. My husband died on the mission field. Now we've come home. We've wound up in Pensacola. I said, ma'am, can I tell you a story? I said, day after tomorrow, there's a lady coming to Pensacola, Florida. She's been on a mission field 20, almost 25 years. She went to the same seminary you went to. She married. Her husband died on a mission field. I said, as soon as she gets out of quarantine, I said, she will minister to you and you will minister to her. She said, I can't wait to meet her. He said, well, I don't know. It's just coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. I'm telling you, God's at work. Friend, if you'll surrender to God, God will go to work in your life. If you'll say, God, here I am, I'm telling you, God's got a plan for you. No matter who you are, where you are, God's got a plan for you. Surrender. 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 God, not my will. Yours be done. Granddad and grandmother, mother and father, you need to be praying friend and brother over the teens of this culture. That God might raise them up and send them out. And make them to be a church ablaze with the gospel. God, make it so. If you're watching online today, text me at Savior. Text me that word Savior at 94,000. Just tell me, we'll, we'll reach back to you, we'll help you, we'll bless you, we'll pray for you, we'll encourage you. I called a lady this week just since God wanted me to do it. And I called, she walked right up to me after church in a hurry. So she said, why'd you call me this week? I said, she said, the Holy Ghost tell I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I usually don't call that list, but I said, I just felt like I ought to call you. She said, well, that was God's direction in my life. So I'm here to tell you, friend, if you'll listen, God will speak to your soul. He will do it. He will do it. John, once you begin to play, seniors, hear the pastor. We're praying for you. In just a moment when he starts to sing, then we're going to send you over for the after church fellowship, okay? But if God's dealing in your heart today, don't dodge him. Don't run from him. We're praying that God raise you up and make you an army with the gospel. It's our prayer. Many of you going out from here, you're going to be a blessing to another church somewhere. Amen. Some of you are going to stay right here and be a part of our college ministry. You're going to be a blessing right here. We're praying for that.
God's going to use you in a mighty, mighty way. We're for you. We're praying for you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to bless you. We're going to correct you. We're going to train you. So that God will raise you up to be men and women after his heart. So why don't we just let the first row go first? Out you go. Okay? Amen. Grab your purses. Don't forget your Bibles. All your stuff. Go. Next row right behind them, go. Next row behind them, go. Now, while they're going, God's called some of you guys to come. When we sing, the Spirit of God's in this place. He says, come. You need to come. Under Christ, under the church, under surrender. I want you to step up and come. We'll pray for you to do it. Then John's going to sing, and I invite you to come. Lord, have your way. And every one of these students, we bless them. We encourage them. Pray your favor on them. And Lord, in this invitation, have your way in this moment. Draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name.